Welcome to the second episode of Policy in Wonderland. I'm your host, Evita Amira, or you can call me Evi. In Policy in Wonderland, just like Alice, we are going to explore and see the wonderful world of insurance, insurtech, and everything that's connected to this amazing ecosystem. In Policy in Wonderland, you will meet startups from all over the world, key figures, and more. So without further ado, I want to introduce my guest for today, David Gritz and Stacey Brown. Hello, guys. How are you doing today? Thanks Hi, for Evie. having us. <laughs> Thank you for joining. So I assume that the audience know who you are, but for those who don't, I would like to hear a bit about yourself and your background. David, let's start with you. Sure. Yeah. So um, I run InsureTech New York. Uh, we're an ecosystem uh, based in New York, but really serve startups from all over the world. We've had a number of startups from Israel join our accelerator program, apply to our startup competitions, and um, participate in our MGA lab. Uh, actually, one of the company's link site uh, was focused on swimming pool safety uh, came from Israel. So uh, our goal is really to support the ecosystem by providing opportunities for connection and um, really take advantage of what's in New York and uh, the companies that are willing to come to New York. Thanks. I'm Stacy Brown and I founded InsureTech Hartford several years ago. Um, I had 20 years of experience as an IT exec working for large global carriers. And uh, it, it came to a point where the uh, InsureTech ecosystem was hard to do as a side hobby um, with a full-time job. So this year in 2023, uh, I, I have ventured into it full-time and have started to expand um, in helping build other communities as well across the U.S., such as InsureTech Chicago and InsureTech Atlanta. And um, I'm also um, an investor, uh, advisor, and and um, and uh, InsureTech Hartford also runs uh, an innovation challenge where we get um, uh, companies from all over the world as well. And uh, it's just an exciting time to be in the industry. Um, when I started in 2001, I had absolutely no idea <laughs> that this is what my <laughs> life would look like today, but here I am. But it's far, far away from your dad idea to be in the gas station uh, uh, management, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's far, that far was away. Even, that was even further back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you to listen to the following quote. We have been going to conference for the last few years. Lots of activities, lots of going, uh, things are going on. But sometimes I think it will be nice to do something a little different. Do you know who say that? Stacy is you uh, four years ago, in on the ITC four years ago. <laughs> so, wow, you take good uh, notes. <laughs> yeah, very good. So this is leading me to the next question: What is in shooting slopes going to be different? Yeah, so we've been Stacy and I have been going to insure tech events probably since they started in in 2015 and in the original insure tech connect in 2016. And what we've found about those events is they're extremely productive, but they're also extremely draining. So mm -hmm. when you go there after a week, you almost need the weekend just to sleep all day. Um, and a lot of times at the conference, you're creating very much on the surface connections. Like there's not so much you can learn about a person when you meet them for 15 minutes and the first three minutes you're looking for each other. So what Stacy and I sought to do is to forge deeper connections and not just the connections 
between the people, but also the connections with the natural earth or the natural environment. And um, some of the most beautiful places that we found in the world are on ski slopes or out in the environment. We haven't just done uh, ski related events. We've done whitewater rafting. Um, we've done uh, wow. trail walking. Uh, so Really, the idea behind slopes, trails, and rapids has been to bring together a small group of people, so predominantly InsureTech founders and investors, to build strong connections over a two- or three-day period, really get to know the human uh, behind the company and not just you know the name of the company and the title and couple facts, uh, but really get to know people well. And, and that's the connections that we're trying to create with uh, slopes. Yeah, and for me, a, a big part of it is experience driven, right? The, the bonds and the relationships and the way they harden through, um, through the experiences that uh, David and I have been putting together is, is, is pretty amazing. And uh, there's a lot of content out there. There's, there's a lot of um, you know, gatherings with events, um, even post pandemic, it's even more so than it was, you know, back in 2018, when I said that quote, but, um, <laughs> but th this is a very different opportunity. It's exclusive, right? We, we limit it to, uh, to 40 people and, and, and the, the target audience are investors and founders, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's purposeful as well, right? The idea is that there are, are investable, uh, companies um, interested in raising, if they're not raising today, they're planting seeds for for the future. Um, and the investors love getting to 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 meet uh, potential investments, but they also benefit from spending time again to know each other. Because you know, as as a lot of people know in the VC world, a lot of people do deals together. So um, it's 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 just very it's a very focused event for for that purpose. And um, and and we build that experience around it to to really make it more meaningful yeah it's, it's a very good spotlight on the people in this industry because as you say as you mentioned there's a lot of a conference and but people going to okay let's close the deal or the purpose is only one but here you see the people behind the uh, the deals behind the business you can see the founders, you can see the investor, as you mentioned, and this is a really good opportunity to, to find that. Yeah, I think one thing people don't really think about, especially if you're, you know, you're a founder raising money for the first time or, you know, you're recently joined into venture capital, is that the relationships that you have with founders are not measured in days, weeks, or months, but they're usually measured in years, if not decades. So um, what better way, you know, to spend an immersive two days uh, with someone that ultimately is going to be your partner for the next decade? Couldn't agree more. You have a book with Brian Polchak, right? About collaboration. And I think this is one of the point of view of collaboration, because especially in the insurance industry, you need a long distance and uh, sorry, not long distance, but uh, a long uh, relationship uh, terms with the insure tech, with the insurance company, investors and so on. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, why Brian and I wrote the book is that um, we've heard from a lot of startups that it can be a struggle to work with the incumbent insurers and brokers. I mean, what's surprising is uh, there there was no specific rule about from the data that we gathered about specifically the size, whether small carriers or large carriers are better to work with. I mean, um, you would think intuitively it might be easier for small carriers, but it really comes down to the right mindset. So mm-hmm. the the easy part in the beginning is getting the executive buy-in. The hard part is being able to work together through issue resolution, maintaining the right amount of resources for the length of the project, and really making sure that everyone understands their roles and, and they kind of maintain those roles uh, balanced throughout the entire project or the life of the relationship. So what are the most important tips that you could uh, give to InsurTech founders uh, when they are fundraising, okay, or target to fundraising? And like I say, they meet investors such on the ski slopes or something like that. And uh, also the opposite tips to the investor when they talk to insurtech founders well one thing i'd say for for founders is um to be ready for it right so i've heard um many of investors talking about how the startups that come in to present to them you can't they can't even understand what they're talking about like they're, they they've been talking for five minutes and I still have no idea what your what your product is what who your customer is what your what are you trying to do right <laughs> so um practice helps right so practicing on um pra- you, there's a level of practice that you get when you actually start pitching for real in front of real investors but certainly you need to to make sure that your litmus testing, Uh, your your stuff with with other experts and other people who understand the industry before you're you're taking up that that precious time of the investors because on the other side of it sometimes um, investors aren't um, you know maybe it's not a right fit which is at the moment which is the reason why uh, they might say no today if it's not it's not your business and it's not your product it's it's just their portfolio and their Mm -hmm. needs and focus at the moment but if you if you make a good impression to David's earlier point of you know, this this is a long-term business these relationships last a, you know a decade or decades right mm-hmm. so making a good impression is is as as important as making sure that you're you're presenting yourself well so be prepared and for the yeah. investor side so on the investor side I'll share you know a few tips uh, on terms of finding the right startups for you. So the first thing I would say for investors is to be open-minded. There's a lot of investors that have a very prescribed philosophy of what they're looking for, you know, a B2B SaaS company that has, um, you know, two to five million in revenue. The founder has had a previous exit and, um, you know, the company is growing 20% uh, month over month. And yeah, that that is a great like stat to to run towards, and especially if you're a generalist investor. But I think for an insure tech oriented investor, 
InsureTechs come in a lot of different shapes and sizes, right? So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a software company, especially enterprise software. They could close a tier one carrier that might be a multi-million dollar contract. So that's not going to follow the 20% like month over month growth because they might have taken 18 months to close that deal. Um, but that's going to change the game for them not only to get other customers, but um, for their core basis, like that might make them break even. So I think being open-minded on that, and then also um, on the MGA side, being open-minded, there's a lot of investors that have shied away from MGAs because essentially like, you know, the, the big ones, many that have like kind of ties to Israel, whether it's Lemonade or Hippo, a Metro Mile or State's Title, you know, they got really high valuations and then they lost those valuations. But what I think a lot of the investors don't necessarily think about is, you know, a startup that is in auto personal lines is different than a life focused startup is different than a surety focused startup. And it's completely different from a startup that's focusing on a niche commercial line like aviation. So I think you have to look at the line of business, the loss ratios and the specific environment and competition of that line of business and not just say, you know, MGAs are great or MGAs are terrible. The second piece of advice that I would have for the investors, especially those uh, that plan to intend InsureTech slopes, and um, this might be obvious, but I think, you know, be open to working with the other investors and sharing information. There's a number of like VC to VC calls that I've had where the other investors don't want to tell me the name of the company and just want to get my feedback and help on diligence. And I think what they don't realize is, First, with us, um, we'll probably know just by you describing the company, which is what ended up happening on that call. Um, and in fact, we actually had the founder speak at our spring conference. But the separate piece is that, you know, withholding information, especially between investors, doesn't help the ecosystem. Ultimately, startups are going to need capital in their seed stage, in their series A, in their series B. And if they like want to go public, you know, like in the growth stage. And ultimately, when investors share information with each other, they're candid with each other, that's ultimately going to produce an environment where you're not necessarily fighting over deals, but you're helping the startups together improve the environment and having more deals get to exit. That's all we all want, right? We want more deals getting to exit. So if we bicker over, you know, individual allocations, we're not necessarily promoting the the overall goal. And then, you know, the last thing that I would say uh, for investors, it's the same thing that Stacy gave in terms of the startups, you know, come prepared, you know, for our past events, we've had a WhatsApp group or a Slack group. Uh, we share the people that are attending. So, you know, do a little bit of research on who's there so you can really maximize your time and know who you want to spend the most time with, who you want to be on the chairlift with. And, um, I think that will make your time as productive as possible. Awesome. Um, let's do a zoom out and talk. As experienced players in the InsurTech arena, what are your top three predictions for the most transformative trends in the that will shape the industry in 2025? Not next month, but 2025 or 2026 even. I'll, I'll start with a couple and then Stacy, if you want to take a couple. Sure. Okay. Uh so I'm gonna start with the most contrarian one. 
and maybe it's because we run the MGA lab, uh, we are a little biased. Um, but I think right now, a lot of investors are not super excited about MGAs. And I think uh, MGAs are going to come back. Um, they're going to be more exciting. They're going to be the hot thing again, but it's not necessarily going to be the next, uh, you know, personal lines auto of the world. It's going to be different specialized areas. Like I mentioned, Linksite that focuses on swimming pool safety and general liability, or it's going to be five by five that focus on aviation or flora that provides fertility benefits. So all these specialized niche areas that carriers have made a lot of money on, insurtechs are going to find out and they're going to join those uh, lines of business and create new products. So that's, you know, one trend that I'm very excited for. And it's not just insurtechs themselves, but excess and specialty lines as a percentage of commercial has been growing. And I think it's only going to continue to grow. The second major trend that I see for 2025 is because all the carriers are suffering from high loss ratios, right? Whether it's from the natural disasters, or it's from people texting and driving and wrecking cars and inflation and all those different causes that are making carriers lose money. The shift in focus is not going to be who can we get off our books and exclude and what states can we pull out of, but it's actually going to be how can we partner with the policyholders to harden their homes so when the hurricane hits, they don't lose all their windows and their roof. And how can they mitigate the risk of wildfires by clearing the space around their homes from shrubs or debris? And like also in the commercial environment, how can we make every worker safer so we don't have liability or workers' comp claims. Such like to be a proactive risk before they already, uh, before they occur. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, preventative was one of my thoughts as well. Um, you know, because insurance, everything, you know, the speed of insurance doesn't necessarily follow our calendars very well, right? So, um, you know, go, you have to look out at least at 2025 to, to be able to think about at what point in time does, does it look different than it does today, right? Because mm -hmm. um, six months from now, we're, we're, we're not going to feel very different, right? Um, but, you know, definitely on the preventative side, um, there's there's been a lot of talk about that for, for a few years. And, um, you know, it's happening both in commercial and, and personal, uh, personal lines. And I think, um, as consumers continue to adopt the technologies uh, that they need, um, the, the the key thing really comes down to behavior change, right? And education has to drive that. So I, um, it takes time, but I do think we will see for the for the for the carriers that have been investing in things like let's say IoT water sensors uh, in 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 homes or in businesses, right? Like they're reporting really strong ROIs, right? In the beginning when they when they did that, it was it was kind of shooting into the into the into the darkness of night and not really knowing what they were going to hit, but they just had this feeling they were going through. Now they're starting to see the benefits. So I think we're going to see acceleration on 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 technologies like that and and anything on the preventative side. But um I think you know AI hit this year really hard. I mean we've had AI companies and, and AI technologies for a lot of years. But this year with ChatGPT, it made everybody say, hey, I can put my hands on this right now and I can use this right now. And I, I think by 2025, um, companies will have moved on from the, 
um, exploring stage and we'll be having the value. I think uh, somewhere between now and then, um, there's going to be education happening inside the large corporates to to help people understand how to leverage um, how to leverage AI better. They will have they will have done the implementations and it'll be a much more productive workforce. Um, but there's a whole nother side, like the distribution side. Um, I think in, um, tech adoption has been very slow on like we we think it's slow on the carrier side at least it moves uh on the distribution side it's a lot more difficult right and um but i i think there's things like in the states we have weston labs now broker tech ventures which is also um in israel right mm -hmm. uh, and i think there there's people there are people starting to pay more attention the um the population demographics are also changing on the distribution side where there's more of these progressive agents coming into the market and they're they're like hey uh, i don't want to do things like my dad did things right like i want to i want to have a tech driven business and i think somewhere between that and the light bulb starting to go off on 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 the on people to realize that hey if i want to exit it, my my company running on technology probably get a better multiple than running on file cabinets. So I think somewhere be, over the next two years, we're going to start seeing a, a tipping point um, on, in the agency space. I offered to David to do another episode after the event. So, and um, right, David? Yeah, we have a okay call. Yeah, of course. Yeah? Okay, I'm great. happy to do it. So great. Um, thank you guys for uh, being in the show today. And thank you very much for what you are doing to the insurance community and bring insurance with a different uh, perspective. And um, good luck in the event. Thank Thanks. you very much. Thanks. Good to meet you, Abby. You too. See you, bye. Bye-bye.